What's up, everybody? Episode 179, coming live from all over the United States. Evan's down in Brooksville, Florida, wearing the snazzy black PDGA. He's been running all over the course. I'm sure he's got a great workout. Ben's up in my studio in the studio. Josh is at home. And Nick, he's probably still raking and shoveling mulch, but it's we're missing him tonight. Um, this is presented by 978. Uh, we talk about them every week because we love 978. And if you use that code, we love 978, you're going to get a discount. You're going to let them know that you support us. You support them. Fantastic company. Um, they have the rock bottom lowest prices on all the discs that you want, all the accessories you want. They just officially moved to a even better retail location located at an amazing disc golf course. Go ahead and use them. Have them ship stuff to you. Uh, come out to New England, play Maple, go visit them and realize that they're an amazing, amazing uh, pro shop and great investment for the community of disc golf. I've already mentioned it. Use their payout structure. Just reach out to them. It's that easy. You don't have to like set almost anything up. When your tournament's done, you just send them the TD report. They take care of literally contacting all of your people with the gift card accounts, player packs, all the stuff that they do. I'm telling you. You're missing out if you don't use them. Uh, fantastic. Scott and Melissa over there and the whole crew. You probably know Marky Chap. He's been on Simon's videos a few times. Casey White. They're all connected to 978. Fantastic people. Fantastic company. Get all your disc golf needs there at 978. This is episode 179, guys. The chess.com invitational just wrapped up a live disc golf, actual competition, the thrill, the drama, the moments. I'm going to throw it over to Josh to kind of give us this look at the introduction to the season. He's going to do a little two-minute monologue here of sorts. Then we're going to go to Evan, who's actually on the ground, to give us his feedback and update on what it's like. Josh, go ahead and take it away. All right. Thanks, Matt. So, yeah, doesn't it feel like a breath of fresh air to have disc golf back live in action? Here we are kicking off the 2024 season with the first tour event it's the moment where all the off-season chatter and speculation, they either prove their worth or they fall flat on their faces. You know, will the trends from 2023 continue this year? Or are we going to witness the birth of new narratives? And you already know the answer to that last one. It's always a resounding yes. Look, the thrill of live sports. It's about the best in the game pushing themselves to conquer the course and each other vying for that coveted spot atop the leaderboard. And there's not much room up there. And that's precisely what makes the competition so exciting. So let's talk about Evelina, one of the top throwers in the FPO division, also known for her perennial putting woes. And round one started the same way, just 25% from circle 1X. But then like a phoenix rising from the ashes, she flipped the script. She climbed to an 64% in round two, but that final round, near perfection, save for that intentional layup on hole 18 once she had the victory secured. It's been 40 long years since her last triumph, but I'm sure she would say it's worth the wait. And then we have Anthony Barella, snagging his first tour win. He's been touted by many as the next big thing, and today... He proved exactly why. Remember his stumble at the European Open last year? So many questioned if he could keep his nerve this time around. Has he learned his lessons? Hey, and does that narrative actually sound familiar? 
Think back a few years to 2017, Eagle McMahon trying to find his first elite win. And those who paid attention, we know what happened once he broke through. Go back and look. I wonder if we see a similar narrative here. So with Barella, despite some early jitters in this final round, he did show nerves of steel ultimately. Threading lines like a seasoned pro and sinking putts when they mattered the most. And was it flawless? No, gave us a little excitement, but it was enough. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Now, personally, I'm basking in a little extra glow from his victory, given that I called this one last week. So allow me to also say, I told you so. Now, I'm excited for what the season has to hold, and I'm looking forward to what all of you um, think, and I can't wait for things to keep moving forward. So, Matt, Ben, Evan, what do you think? Excited so, this golf's back? Yes, and I think you probably used AI to write that up. Am I right? Uh, no, I wrote that up. <laughs> I wrote that up. I'm just being funny. We're going back to Kristen Tatar, the yeah. rising of the Phoenix from the ashes. I mean, come on. That is epic. I hope everyone appreciated it. Was that. It, it was yeah. epic. It was epic. Absolutely. Evan was there in person. I don't know all the details of what you're doing, but you're following a lot of the cards. Evan, you're on the ground there. Give us your takeaways. You're only here for a little bit because you've been slaving all day. That's what they do over there. <laughs> what, what, what's been going on? Yeah, well, uh, I was uh, hanging out near Tournament Central all day today, but I was getting a feel for all the other players, let's say, who were coming through the scoring stations and whatnot. And when Evelina had the win just about secured and was coming down 18, uh, the amount of joy that the players had and excitement for her uh, getting this first win in a long while uh, was really cool to see. And then practically the same thing happens for Anthony Brella getting his first win. You know, all of his, you know, Discraft teammates or friends uh, were all there through uh, uh, waiting on Hole 18 for him to finish up. Although uh, it, it maybe wasn't the prettiest last couple holes until Hole 18, uh, but he still easily got the win. And what a moment for him. Josh, you laid it out nicely. So I don't have to give quite the, uh, the uh, dramatic importance of these two wins, but um, I, I think that Evelina Salonen's putting in the final round was incredible. We were score watching, uh, well, without watching, we weren't on the course with her. We were near hole one and eighteen. Um, but seeing just her stats, it was you know five for five from CONX. It was nine for nine. It was I think twelve for twelve. And then the thirteenth attempt was the layup, uh, if I have those numbers correct. And we're like, no, she's she's almost parked for eagle, and she lays it up. Uh, but that's what winners do. They lay up for the win. Uh, so, you know, wins are cooler than, you know, putting stats. Uh, even though I love the stats, uh, it's cool to see her get the win. And I think people might forget that Evelina was, you know, a real top player in the division for, for many years and was this rising star. Uh, and then with COVID-19 pausing the pro tour, um, I forget if she played events in 2020 after that, um, but she didn't play in 2021. And then we come to 2022 and it's the year of Kristen Tatar. And then she has, um, you know, all the skills, but then it's still maybe the putting struggles or whatever else is just not getting the win. So it's really cool to see it here today. And then just like Anthony Barella, he had, what was it, a five or six stroke lead about midway through. And we're like, ah, oh, it's got to be locked up. But then you would see a stroke come back, a stroke come back. And then two or three strokes on that, uh, what was it, a double bogey uh, on 15 or 16. And you're like, no, is it going to rewrite history? No, he has it. He has all the skills and then he gets it. So um I guess I, I kind of rambled into repeating what Josh was saying, but the, the uh, excitement on the ground was there. Uh, tons of people were uh, all excited for these players. And, you know, AB uh, has so many fans. Whenever you go to any course, you see so many AB jerseys, which is pretty incredible and good for him. Uh, but I, 
if you guys want to say any more about that, I wanted to get into the course uh, before I head off because I have lots of. Can I ask you? Can I ask you two 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 questions? I'm interviewing you. One is: Do stats people like yourself count a layup, which was not a putt attempt, as a missed putt? For like, Uh, it it opens up a great question. I I think with what we have right now, uh, well, what it is right now is it does count as a putt attempt, just like any other putt attempt. Um, It. I think it would be cool in the future to maybe have some, you know, delineation for that. Um, I would certainly in a perfect world like to see it, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that need to go into that because sure. there's a lot of subjectivity. I think this one was pretty clear as a layup, but you have a lot of times where, you know, whether it's a stack keeper, uh, a volunteer uh, trying to choose that, I mean, or a player uh, choosing it or not, it, there's a lot to go into it, but the way I see it, um, which kind of to go against what I said for the future is if you look at, uh, I'm going to say basketball, if you have uh, the time winding down at halftime uh, and you have a second left and they're about to inbound it, they will toss up a full court huck to try to make that basket because they're, they're trying to get some extra points. There's one second left. Like, why hold on to the ball and let it go? Uh, that counts as a three-point attempt just like uh, any other normal three-point attempt. And we don't make any exceptions for that. Certainly, maybe advanced stats could get into that. But for the most part, uh, it's counted the same, as unfortunate as it is. And you see players maybe, you know, intentionally holding the ball for – you know, 0.5 seconds too long, so that way it doesn't count, so that way their stats get better. But it's it's different when it's for the win, like today, well, um, for both players. So I, I guess if for right now, it counts as a putt, <laughs> just like any other attempt. And I think it has to stay that way for the future, okay. uh, or for the foreseeable future. And we'll, uh, the only, we'll see if we get to a point where we can change that up. Yeah, the only way I'd argue that is, like, them hucking up a ball in the NBA towards it is actually somewhat of an attempt if they were just like rolled the basketball towards the hoop, I wouldn't call that an attempt, but that's, that's to be debated. The other thing would be, you could probably note facts, right? And that's what you would probably do at stat Mando. There's probably some historical element where you'll say like she had this much of a lead and it appeared that she laid up or whatever. But moving on to the other question was Magnus Carlson. Did you get the chance to one meet him or two? Did you see any effect of him being on the property during the event? I, Caught a glimpse of him for like a half a second. I think, okay. <laughs> uh, I think it was today he was following the FPO lead card. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe I'm mixing up my days. A lot's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw him following, you know, one of the lead cards, uh, walking up hole 18. You kind of like pop. I mean, it's that huge, uh, you know, Olympus type mountain you have to climb to get up to the green for 18. And saw him poke out um, along with the other people with lead card. And I was like, hey, that's cool. I know I'm not going to have a moment to. Uh, to shake his hand and get a picture like other people did. Um, but the effect was there. I mean, um, it, you know, lots of people were excited. I mean, people that got his autographed. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll shout out Kale Levisca. I got an autographed, uh, I think, putter uh, from Magnus Carlsen. And he's like, he's like, look at this baby. And was like so excited about it. And maybe not those exact words, but he, he was excited <laughs> about an autograph uh, to throw his name out. Uh, so uh, players were excited that he was there. I'm sure fans were as well. I interacted with players more just today. Um, but the chess effect was real. Uh, and to talk about that, I mean, there was a huge uh, kind of like uh, it, kind of like premier gathering spot uh, that I quite haven't seen to this scale at a disc golf tournament before. Uh, and it was tables full of chess boards. I'm sure the live coverage uh, panned at it a few times, but there's just chess boards everywhere. But then there's also spots to just eat and mingle and talk um, with chess.com advertising everywhere. And then throughout the course, you know, we saw the chess pieces uh, near it. So it really felt like, uh, like a special moment for chess. And there was lots of fans who liked chess. I overheard people being like, um, oh yeah, like this was the event I wanted to come to because of chess. 
Uh, and that's really cool that people can kind of uh, combine these two worlds where they love chess and they love disc golf, and, and here it is. So uh, I, I think there was a pretty big effect overall, not just Magnus, but all of chess. And it seemed like chess.com actually like brought, I'll call it assets, but they brought stuff to this tournament to show their support beyond just like, hey, we're giving you money for signage. Is that your feeling? Oh, absolutely. They were there at full force. I know I, I saw a few people from chess.com. I believe some of their vendors were maybe employees of them. It's not like it was uh, random people uh, promoting chess.com. It was like, no, the people from chess.com who know chess. Actually, Nick was telling me a story. I saw Nick today. We were hanging out for a little bit uh, in between his busy day. So I don't know if he'll get on here today. But uh, I'll tell this story about Nick that he told me as he was playing uh, from the chess.com people. They said this person was the best at chess, I believe. Uh, and that doesn't include Magnus Carlson, to be clear. Uh, he He's on a different level, and I don't think a chess.com employee. Um, but they, they had a big chess board, like, uh, I don't want to say life-size pieces, but maybe like half a human size, like three feet tall, maybe, um, with a with a chess board to go along with it. And people were playing chess with those big pieces. I saw the CEO of chess.com playing people. They were using the timer and all that. But, but Nick had his hand in playing someone from chess.com and didn't lose right away. Uh, and Nick, without even knowing, turns out that he accidentally stumbled into being into a possible winning situation. And he learned afterwards, if he made the right two moves, uh, that he would have won and he would have uh, gotten him into check or checkmate um, <laughs> and uh, would have gone. But of course, Nick being, you know, not an expert chess player, um, although uh, I'm sure pretty good and maybe underselling his skills, uh, he didn't make the right move. Uh, and the chess.com employee ended up firing back and getting a couple moves and I think beat Nick pretty shortly after. Um, so I, I forget the original question, but I had to share it's that okay. story. No, no, no. Yeah. It was about how involved they were. And I think the funny yeah, part very about involved. that for me is it sounded similar to disc golf in a way when you said like he stumbled into this, uh, like where he could have won. And I'm like, all the could have, would have. If I hit the putt, if I had hit two putts, I would have had a course record. Nick's going to be like, had I made the right two moves, I would have beaten a great chess player. Okay. Yeah. No, I was go ahead. Say, go ahead. I was going to throw it back to you because you had one more thing you wanted to talk about. I think, which was, um, I think you were talking about the actual competition. I, I, I want to talk about. Well, no, I want to talk about the course because oh, I mean, there we've you seen go. this yeah. course. We've seen this course uh, from like YouTube coverage. I think you know Terry Miller's done it. Lots of other uh, people have done coverage here. At Throw down the mountain. Uh, and although this is a brand new event, and Throw down the mountain is still happening as its own, uh, I believe, a tier still. Um, the, this course has been seen before, but not quite at this scale. Plus, you know, they came in and did changes. They did lots of new things. But uh, I just want to give a huge shout out to this course. It, uh, is absolutely incredible. Um, it's still, it's new. You can tell it's new. Um, and certainly the rain didn't help. Um, but it's what a challenge this course is with, I think, scores that people have been wishing for across both fields forever. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure neither field had someone shoot double digits under par any round of the six possible rounds between the uh, two divisions and three rounds. Uh, I think the best score might have been like an eight down, uh, which might have been, was that Evelina today? Maybe maybe missing any yesterday. I'm not sure exactly. I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, apologies to everyone. But um, no double-digit rounds tells me that there's a challenge. And it's not, you know, challenge out of um, bad design. It's challenge out of good design, of course. The landing zones here are incredibly tough to hit. And there's so much thought that goes into it. Uh, and there's lots of par fours and fives, as we saw and. It's it, You step up to the tee pad, and I didn't throw a single shot, but you can visualize the type of shot you would need to get to some of these landing zones, and it, it is hard. But then when you see the players do it, uh, it's absolutely incredible. I, I watched um, 
Henna Blomroos, uh, Missy Gannon, uh, Owen Scoggins, and, and Haley King before she DNF'd in round two. I was doing the scoring uh, with them, which was an absolute pleasure uh, because they were putting on a show, and Missy Gannon especially had the hot round for that round and was just putting lights out and was just with absolute precision, even though you know Henna Blomroos might have been out throwing her on a few shots, which Henna had a fantastic round as well. But Missy Gannon was just playing with precision, and that's like such a rewarding thing in disc golf that maybe we don't see as often. Sometimes we just see throw good shot, you know, get good score, uh, which, you know, not to say good shots don't get you a good score here, but it's so much, so much more of a game plan of what you want to do and then hit this incredibly tiny landing zone um, while at the same time uh, being in a, a beautiful area where I'm outside right now uh, in just a polo and shorts uh, in February and I'm not that cold. And today I was, you know, sweating like crazy because it's so nice out. So although All-Stars wasn't the prettiest, the weather here is phenomenal. Uh, and after being in Vegas the last two years, which I, I, I love everything about Vegas as well, but the weather is uh, better here. Um, and then add in all the, the elevation is no joke. I had a smartwatch on. I climbed 60 stairs uh, <laughs> through two rounds um, with like 18,000 steps. Uh, that was a lot. I was, I was so tired yesterday. Thankfully today I didn't walk the course as much, but... Uh, to get that much elevation when, you know, you drive uh, a couple miles away from the course and it's all flat um, in Florida, it, it's so incredible. So add that into like February time when most of the country is too cold to play disc golf, but you get an absolutely amazing uh, property of just the terrain. And then plus you got this uh, incredible course design on top of this. Uh, it's a really cool place. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do in the future. And that, of course, relies on Nick uh, doing a good job. So we should whoop his butt in gear. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he certainly is doing a great job and I'm, I'm excited to see this, uh, maybe next year. Um, you know, assuming this starts off the year again. Right. All right. Hey, Ben, go back to four up with us before we let Evan go. I want to do a quick review to show him how many points he got in uh pop drop locks. <laughs> go ahead and pull oh, it no. out. Okay. Ben. Y'all here picked we... AB, so I'm getting, I think I'm getting beat bad here. Only two of us picked AB actually, but yeah. How, how many points is, is number 150? Uh, no, 25 okay. points for okay. uh, top. This is a review of the segment we ran last Monday, a review of it. It is presented by Hooligan Disc. Go ahead and pull up the uh, picks, Ben. It's just going to say Nick's pop drop lock. We don't have specific names in here right now because I slacked on the MPO FPO. I was only going to be able to have one or the other tonight, so we just went with your picks. But let's do the drum roll. Nick's picks. Um, Josh, do you have them in front of you and you can just read them off or do I need to? Pull I have off? the actual name picks if you want. Okay, like, go ahead. So, give us who Nick's picks were and let's then give him his points. Okay, so Nick for pop picked Thomas Gilbert and for drop picked Carter Aarons and who he picked to win was Anthony Barella. Okay, how about FPO? All right, yes, for FPO, Nick picked uh, Eliezer Middling to pop and to drop was Ella Hansen and Nick pick to win was Missy Gannon. Okay, so let's see his points, Ben. Those Ooh. picks got him 18 points. All right, moving, moving on to bad. me. I don't know if that's good. Yeah, or that's bad. not too. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to find see. out we're this season. Find I out. actually think it, it's an interesting thing as the season goes. We'll figure it out. I picked Adam Hammes to pop. I picked Calvin Heimberg to drop. Now, can pick. we pause for half yeah, a second? Yeah. Everybody that doubted me and said, Matt's just a <laughs> hater. I had some inside scoop, apparently, and it was amazing to watch. Now, that being said, I wasn't rooting for him to do bad. Inside scoop. I wasn't rooting for him to do bad. But the fact that it was, was like, I had this feeling 
after he came out of last season the way he did, I was like, he, you saw how he is. He gets so relaxed going into these events because he's just like, it's like as competition ramps, he calms down. All right, down. all right. There's no all way right. you expected him to finish 34th place. No, but, yeah. but I thought I would get maybe seven or eight points. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so that was my MPO pick. Uh, and then my FPO was Katrina Allen popping. That did not happen. Ella Hansen dropping. That did not happen. And Yikes. then my lock was Haley King, and she dropped out. Oh, so like, right. my FPO was horrible. Ben, let's show my points. Okay, I beat out I beat out okay. Nick by three points. Twenty one. Uh, Nick has eighteen. I have twenty one. Ben, uh, Josh, you want to review Ben's picks? Sure, Ben. You want me to review them for you here? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All right, you picked to pop was your friend Silas Schultz, and to drop was Chandler Kramer. That was and good. Oh my to, goodness. To win, and by the way, Matt, I think you picked you skipped your win, but uh, you, Ben, and Matt both picked Paul Macbeth. Oh, that's and right. And he did not win. Yeah, that's and for that's FPO. Fine. Yeah, for FPO, uh, let's see. Ben picked uh, to pop Eliezra Midling. To drop was Own Scoggins. And to win was Holland Handley. Oh, wow. Not bad picks. Ben did, ben did okay. I that Chandler did Kramer pick. That Chandler Kramer pick is going <laughs> to bank you loads of points. Let's yes, see what you like got. What would you get? <laughs> Ben's going to love it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be clear, Chandler points. Kramer gave you 42 points. Oh, my Let's goodness. Go. Did I get any? I didn't get any negative, right? Uh, I don't think let's so. Let's see. To be fair, I did. I got like 30 negative. Yeah, and I you did ben, got, you picked... ben did not receive any negative points on any wow. of this. Let's go. Okay. Let's go over Josh's, I'm and then we're going to wrap up with Evan and let him go. Josh, go ahead. All right. So I picked to pop was A.B., and to drop was James Proctor, and to win was AB. Man, nice. You and it. in FPO, not oh as goodness. great. Uh, to pop was Cat Merch. She stuck with her average. Uh, to drop was Henna Blomroos, and she played above her average. And I also <laughs> picked a DNF Haley King, ouch, uh, who I won't be picking again in the future. And <laughs> oh, ouch. Um, all right, yeah, Josh, so, so what did you, you come up points. with for points? All right, what do I have? All right. What? 59. 59. Because wow. AB. That was the, that's the AB picks. Yeah, AB double, gave man. me 25 points plus whatever for his both slots. Was. Yeah, no, oh, both of them were 25. Both? Yeah. Oh, my He averaged goodness. 26th place last year. We're going to talk about him later. Uh, let's get to Evan's picks. Uh, right. What was Evan, Evan's you want me to read them? Yes, I, right, I remember so, him partially, but it would sound better for me. Uh, all, right, all right. Your uh, pop pick was Kyle Klein. Um, your drop pick was Ben's pop pick, <laughs> Silas Schultz. <laughs> and your lock was Ezra Robinson. Oh, that, well. I mean, that's not a bad. He had a great tournament, but he didn't yeah, get you any points. Like not in the top ten. Okay. Um, right. And then for FPO, your pop was Paige Pierce. Okay. Drop. Eliezra Middling and Locke Holland Handley, who did get you points. So not bad. Ooh. I'm just hoping for not last now. That's definitely not a winning. That's not a winning point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Drum roll, everybody. The stat guy. What oh! Is it? oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you all know this and this is why I had to stay on? No, I didn't the- know. Matt, Matt's the only one that knew. No, uh, I didn't know either. Well, I, cal- I, I, I calculated. I said it a little before the show. Oh, Josh. So, so oh, if it's wrong, no. you can blame it on me. Yeah. If the stats no, are wrong, I, you can blame it on Statmando. I, so I trusted those, week one those picks weren't the best, so that's on me. 
I'll gladly take the first L of the year. Uh, and we'll still be picking Ben's pop picks as my drop because yeah, uh, to I be want honest, like yeah, but you did lose ten points on on okay. that strategy. That's oh, before we let you go, Evan, Steve Dodge himself just texted me, and you are my go-to for this question because I don't know the answer. He said, "Do oh, you boy. know if anything was engraved on those chessboard trophies?" Mm, good question. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was Nick also told me about this. Uh, so yeah, if we had Nick on, we would get the most perfect answer. Um, but uh, as of now, there is nothing engraved. Um, it, Nick also responded to, uh, to some people on, uh, Twitter slash X about this as well. Um, and so he was telling me about it. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was up in those replies. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's, he's trying to show off a, you know, a great event. Um, and I believe what he said is that there's going to be engraved, um, uh, uh, other trophies that are going to be engraved and sent to the player. And then I forget if he said the chessboard itself is going to be engraved. Um, but the chessboard is like the neutral piece that is given to the player as the, the winning trophy to, uh, to show off. And then they'll get a specialty engraved, like more trophy, like trophy, um, mm. as well. Cool. That's good so. insight right there. That's helpful. Cause the internet does tend to react yeah. very drastically. <laughs> it was just really a, quick. Just yeah, a it's like a wooden, wooden chessboard. Chess I got one of those in my house. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah if only we had uh nick on the show we would get the first info but yeah, he's he's been okay. working like crazy i don't we'll think he's even slept week. this week uh but it was good to see nick i know uh, i guess we saw some at the expo but it was good to see nick for a little bit and talk to him so uh we'll yeah get, he's, he's doing yeah. great but just busy all right cool. we'll get him on here next week right there's a buffer between now and next week's show so evan i know you've uh, got dinner ahead of you so Thanks yeah, for, yeah and my phone's on. dying. I'm on. I thanks got the red bars on, right now. So right, we'll I'll talk, talk to y'all later. Time. Later. All right. Uh, that was Evan Statmando in the PDGA. Um, yeah, that was a great question from Steve Dodge. I'm glad he brought it up while Evan was <laughs> on. That in his garage. Well, thanks to Evan for joining. Like obviously from our live show, we're on a Sunday night. Yeah. Um, but Matt, we were chatting on the side, and I'm like, look, you know, 40 percent of our show is like down at the event. So it's like, it's going to be hard for us to pull it off between travel and everything. Clearly Nick is doing amazing work, but I shouldn't say in over his head because it's not over his head, but he probably feels like he's swimming in a deep, deep end with just so much to do. And tonight is kind of like the final, <laughs> right? Like the pinnacle, I guess maybe the, you know, AB dropping the putt was the real pinnacle, but now it's all the wind down and, you know, Evan with his travel and all that. Although I don't have sympathy, like Florida in February, right? All that stuff, but. Matt, you just went, you, you just got muted, Matt. I don't think that Steve Dodge was watching our show because I said, hey, Evan just answered. He goes, what did he say? <laughs> That's what <laughs> he, he was texted just me. I'm like, just, I can't hold a microphone and text very well at the same time. So Ben, just be like, no, you don't have to say anything to Steve. That's funny though. Um, so yeah, I am in Pennsylvania currently. I just drove down here. And as Josh just mentioned, the reason this show had to happen the way it is right now on a Sunday evening recording is because of all that is surrounding this event and my work travels. So this isn't going to be usual. It's actually going to be very rare that we would be on an off day besides Monday because we got five people. You would think that it would work out one way or another. But this week, with Nick literally being involved with the event, like as a main person, uh, Evan being involved as a very main person for the stat side, PDGA side. Um, it's like those two guys, we can pull off the show, but then tomorrow on Monday, I wasn't going to be available. 
So it would literally like this was the only time. So although I we should put it out, Ben, let's put it out to either the live and the post commentators and say who wants a Josh and Ben only show. Yes, like, sir. I, like that may be something, Matt, that we throw down in the future. You know? Oh, absolutely, Ben and I have done it, and it's a fan. <laughs> I favorite. know we could have done it this time too, but all, but the truth is, we also were able to get Evan this evening for a bit for some on the ground uh, yeah. commentary. We wouldn't have had. And we that wouldn't tomorrow. have tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep, so, perfect. Anyway. Good call on that. Um, all right. So moving into more topics and conversation here, I, it's hard to know how much to talk about any given topic, but it was fantastic to see AB win. Uh, I remember when he was on tour, his first season with Paul Macbeth hitting a lot of the events came to my house. They were throwing in the backyard and he was a really tall kid, right? <laughs> like 16 or however old he was. And I was like, man, this kid's athletic. And Six just foot to see four and these a half, players, according to Google yeah. the other day, I looked it up. But how athletic are his throws? Incredibly athletic. He's doing things that nobody else can do. And now that he's broken through, and Josh, you said this, if you looked at Eagle McMahon, I do see a lot of comparisons in the way events have unfolded. Uh, I go back to like the Aussie Open. Yeah, for Eagle 2017. McMahon, and that was a major at the time. And then you look to last year. And you see AB at a major, the European Open. And I don't want to say choking, but not able to finish it out. And then like to come here and finally break through, you saw like tears or at least emotion in his voice that he's able to now take this moment, which is so satisfactory for him. But now he's able to like push away all of that, like hardship emotion that he that's why he was feeling it, because he's like all the things I had to go through to get here. Now you're able to take that kind of monkey off your back, mm -hmm. right? And I think this is a big change in how I see the season unfolding. And I know disc golfers are very quick to overreact. But everything tells you that this is a big moment and a change for him. I would not be surprised to see him win one or two more this year. I would not be surprised. Well, even yeah. um, Philo mentioned on the commentary that he noticed that AB kind of kept his chin up more, his his shoulders up upright, meaning like he it wasn't like oh dang it, I can't believe this. It was just like he was more calm, cool, collected, and mentally sound. And apparently that's what he's been working off on in the off season on that mental game, and it clearly paid off. Um, he just stayed laser focused, didn't really get too upset or anything like that, at least visibly, and wasn't talking down on himself and. He pulled it together and, and got the dub. Yeah. And so like, I, we don't want to beat it too much, but you heard it. I mentioned in the beginning and the whole conversation on Eagle McMahon in 2017 was this kid can throw, he can putt, he can play, but has he learned how to win? Right. Has he had enough of those moments? And I think the real, the word is their experience. And it's just crazy to me the similarities I see in that exact story, Matt. I've said it now; you've reiterated it, and I'm back again. But in in 2017, man lost, great player. But then 2018, he came back and won four, right? Uh, Las Vegas, GBO, uh, the uh, Beaver State Fling, and the Kona Peach Day Open. And so, of course, we don't know what AB is going to do this year, but he's won the first event. And uh, I don't know. It's exciting. And of course, he's going to face plenty more uphill battles throughout the year with all these great players, but it's exciting to see. Yeah. So. And so, again, there shouldn't be an overreaction here, but 
for just for the short conversation, Eagle, and I hate to say in his prime, because maybe he's still in his prime, but when he was literally in that fantastic mode of like, it's gonna, it's incredibly hard to be Eagle. Do you think that AB has a higher ceiling than Eagle had just seeing what you see with AB? Like Ben or Josh? Like, what do you think? Oh, I like, okay. I'd have to think about that. My gut reaction is no, I don't see a higher ceiling. Maybe it could be the same ceiling. It's too early to tell because consistency is what really matters. But the talent seems to be there. Um, and then I guess if you mix in the fact that, you know, Eagles had a little bit of injury problems, some self inflicted, some just kind of bad luck. Um, that maybe could be a factor, right? If AB stays healthy, could he end up outperforming? But like ceiling of talent, I, like Eagle is still one of the best there is. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily see that. Yeah. Well, oh. AB can throw farther. Go ahead, Ben. I was, gonna, I was just gonna say, yeah, I can. I agree with Josh. Right now, it's just way too early to tell. Eagle, obviously, with his injuries, we'll see how that pans out if he can get back on top. But he had a really, really good season. I know we mentioned it was very uh, underrated, but last last year he had a really good season. That he didn't get that big win, but it it was solid. And I I think it's way too early to tell. AB hasn't proved himself enough yet. Um, but is there potential? Yes, but I I'd give the edge to Eagle right now, where I think he'll have a better career because he's proven wow. it so far. I'm in a, I'm in a different boat than you. And I would imagine there's a large percentage of the disc golf audience who's going to say, absolutely, they see a higher ceiling with AB. And they've probably seen it all along. But what we're waiting for is this breakthrough. So now if we place our bets, and we're not going to do that. I almost lost a bet. We'll talk about that then. <laughs> <laughs> but if we were to place bets, I actually would place a bet that in the long term of his career, that he will have as many, if not more, wins than Eagle. Now, you might say, well, Matt, that means it's equal. But I think it's going to be harder to do that in these next years. Harder to do that. And I think with his distance, both forehand and backhand, and his just natural ability, because coming up as a kid to doing it, I, that's my take on it. So we all have a little different, and that's fair. And I think that's what's great about sports. Uh, but coming back to that bet I almost lost, Ben, you know Ella Hansen yep. almost won. And when I say almost coming into the final round yeah. tied for the lead, yes, her if, she, if she, if she won, I owed you 20 bucks because we literally like three weeks ago said, will she win? And you said, yes. And I said, not, nope, not the whole season. And then she almost just won in the first. Event. Okay. Yeah. So uh, thank you for reminding me for that bet. I forgot about it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think that 20, you should be that 20 bucks is probably coming into my pocket after you saw this week, uh, I know Kristen's not there, but I mean they played solid. I the third round, third round, it is it is what it is. But the first two rounds, uh, Ella and Holland both played lights out. So I think I'm gonna put that twenty dollar bill up behind me or behind you in studio. <laughs> just, like, That'd be hilarious. Just like it'll just be the Ella Ella Hansen case. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And then we'll interview her, and that that'll be the ceremony. Yes, we'll exactly. <laughs> When she wins and we have her on, yeah. we'll be like, we grant you the 20. Um, Josh, he just brought up a cool take that we've thought about. We have it in our show notes, but because you brought it up, Ben, let's get to it now. Kristen's not there. Now, it's literally in some ways a pointless conversation to talk about because it played out how it will play out, whether mm -hmm. Kristen's there or not. It played out how it would play out. But for the fun of conversation, did it appear 
that the co the competition level was lacking in a way where it would be obvious and easy for Kristen to have won this one? Or did Evelina in this situation seem to do enough? Like this, that's all the conversation I'll, is here. I can I can take that real quick. Okay. Uh start off. Um yeah, I I th I think I think Kristen would have had a really tough time winning. I mean, Evelina, uh, what did she shoot the final round? Was it like six or eight? Was it eight down? I think it might have been eight. Eight. Okay, so it was eight. Yeah, I mean, that some FBO players were really struggling on the course. I think that was a stellar, just legendary, honestly, performance that I think Kristen really would have had to bend on top of her a game and that's saying a lot for Kristen Tatar I think that it was a huge uh a great competition for all the FPO players and I don't think by any means Kristen Tatar would have walked in and won in fact if I were to if I were to guess I think she probably would have lost to Evelina this weekend that'd be my guess hmm. my prediction yeah if, if it would yeah. happen go ahead Josh yeah, I almost don't. I mean, so I understand the point of conversation, Matt. I almost don't love this kind of conversation yeah. because it's so there's so many variables. Because Ben, what you said makes sense. Like here, here's my general thoughts: is I did not see any underwhelming performance this weekend that left me feeling like there was more out there, right? In other words, it wasn't like wow, the performance was so bad that we all feel like if Kristen was there, it would have been a walk away. So after that, then you just say everybody here played good enough to have a run at the win, at least, you know, the people at the top. Um, and so, because the variables change, like Evelina played so well in the last round, right? With a 1031 rated round, yeah. Um, you know, throwing tie hot round for the weekend with FPO and MPO, clearly a slightly different layout, but like she played incredible. The question is if Kristen had been there and if the score was close, right? It's like the counterfactuals of, well, what if and what if that? Like would Avila well, have me felt change more pressure you, and missed a different putt or or whatever? But um, but Matt, I would just – you can change it. But I would just say um, the performance was great this weekend by the FPO. And yeah. so I didn't actually feel like that question was lingering in the back of my mind. That's okay. So the purpose of that question, and that's why I'm saying maybe I can change it here for sake of conversation. What would you say to Kristen Tatar? And again, this is presumptuous that we have anything to say that she doesn't know. But for the sake of good entertainment and talk show, what would you say to her if she hadn't seen how this event unfolded and you were giving her insight into what she should expect? Like, would it be something like, watch out, Kristen, the, the performance was incredible? Or just play your game like you've been playing. You'll be fine. Like, what would be your go-to as a pep talk to her? <laughs> Either of you are like, I'm not saying. Uh, I guess I can, I can go. I mean, like I like I said, I think if I were to talk to her I'd, and I saw this, I'd probably be like, the FPO field was on their A game. And to me personally, yeah. it gave a lot of promise. And... I wouldn't be like, watch out because it's so Chris Zatar, but it'd be like, I'd be like, I don't know if your season's going to be as easy as it was last year. I mean, the top three players were are pretty much like rising stars. Like, we're so used to the Katrina Allen, the Page, but that wasn't even apparent in this um, event. It was the, let me let me check. Holland Handley, Holland, Ella Hansen, Messi, Hannah Blomroos. Um, Natalie Ryan, Stacy Ronsley, the 
and then and then Owen Scoggins and uh, Missy are obviously the ones that are more established. But those are all names that um, in the FPO field are are rising stars and top the top seven that make up the field. Um, I'd say like wow, this is this is getting very exciting for the FPO field, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, and so Josh, you don't have to respond to that, but what about Katrina and Paige, as Ben just mentioned, not being like a factor in really any way, at least to the visual perspective of the live audience, obviously at the course, the effects of them being there and established as legacy, you know, dominant FBO players of their time. Is it the end of their time? And you picked Paige as your pop-off player of the year like, are you still feeling that way? Yeah, well, I'm still ahead on that pop-off player, right? She averaged nearly 12th place last year, and she finished 10th year this this event. All right, so, two points. Um, right, so, yeah, so I'm up. Um, <laughs> but uh, you mentioned two players, and I don't think the story's the same for each of them. So it was great to see Paige Pierce back in round one coverage, obviously uh, recovering off of a pretty serious injury that takes a while to recover. And so I would expect to see some rust, maybe some jitters, some hesitation, whatever you may classify that is. Um, she still won events last year, right? She still knows the, you know, we just talked about the experience that AB gained with winning, but somebody like Paige Pierce doesn't have to gain any of that experience. The only thing she's having to work through is the experience of recovering from an injury and she'll figure that out. Um, whether she'll be back to her prior dominance, like, I don't know. The whole thing's changed. She's gotten older. The competition's changed. The course has changed. There's lots of variables. But so Paige, I'm not worried about. Um, Katrina, I'd be very worried about um, for mm. probably a handful of reasons, including just the latter half of last year. Um, you know, what, what's her... I, this is total speculation because we're not hearing a lot from her, but like, what's her desire? Is she wanting to do this thing? Are all the other extenuating circumstances and conversation around the FPO field and the competition and who's allowed to play and not allowed to play? That may not be a factor, but I'll tell you, it seems like it is. Um, and then, you know, the mental challenges for Katrina um, have shown themselves before. And she's she's discussed that. After right a really tough drought, she talks about, yeah, I was in a mental funk working through some things. So, um, you know, she's obviously a very successful player with lots of experience. And so I think if she decides to figure it out, um, she can. But I'm questioning that. Maybe that's not fair. If I were having a personal conversation with her, I'm sure I'd approach it differently because I care about what she's going through. But purely from a competitive and performance standpoint, I'm worried. Um, right? When you have multiple world championships like Katrina Allen and Sarah Hokum finishing with each other way down the leaderboard for different reasons between those two players. But um, it is changing the tide um, to some extent. But I don't put Paige Pierce in that category just yet. Yeah, I'm sure her ankle, uh, I didn't send her a message or anything, but I'm sure her ankle, Paige's ankle, going up and down those hills is probably feeling it this weekend, I would imagine. Um, she talked about disking down, uh, or I should say up, as opposed to down like she normally would. Her game is changing. I don't know if it'll always be that way. We'll have to wait and see. But for Katrina, Josh, you asked if like where she's at with that. We do know in the off season that she was working incredibly hard on returning her form. And she, she talked about that last year too, like working on her throw. There seems to be a point where something needed to take two steps back to go three steps forward or however that saying is one step back, 
two steps forward. It seems to be that she came to a point last year where she decided that needed to happen. And I think we're still in that step backwards. Um, but that's it. Who knows if we'll ever get to those two steps forward. But as a competitor, she has to believe it, of course. Um, all right. Moving into the MPO a little bit. Um, did you recognize that this event spread out very notable players throughout the whole leaderboard i'm talking all the way down to almost the bottom there i mean are you surprised to see brody in the bottom or at least he was Yikes, in the yeah. bottom percentage uh paul Uliberry. uh you can go and just like scroll the leaderboard and then be surprised at who you see far down the list i mean if i even scroll up a little bit i'm going to call out names like um yeah paul Uliberry, 79th Chandler Kramer, 75. Uh, I'll just keep scrolling up here. Uh, Nick picked Thomas Gilbert to do really well here. I think even to win. He had a great first round. I thought, yeah. Thought, uh, I thought yeah, Nick was something. awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then, but now like finished in 62nd. And then um, James Conrad, 62nd. Uh, Silas Schultz, 50. Kale LaVisca, 43. I'm talking like, as I keep scrolling up from the bottom, I'm seeing names the whole way. Calvin Heimberg, 29. Like, what was it about this event? Was it everything that Evan said, which is like, this course was built to where if you throw really good, you're rewarded really high. And if you don't throw really good and you're not on, you don't get rewarded. And it, I mean... Is that what's happening here? Because not everybody had a bad day, I'm sure. It's just like the way the course unfolded. But did you notice that with the MPO here? Like it was spread out so much. Um, yeah. So this these uh, scores I'm looking at is very reminiscent to me of like MVP Open numbers. Um, mm -hmm. I know MVP Open's a four-day tournament, um, but I'm just saying like mm -hmm. Maple Hill is known as one of the hardest – courses um on tour very tough wooded course and the numbers that i was seeing where like even was like maybe first round put you in like the 30th and that's not always the case so i think it was a very challenging track it was a beautiful track but i think it was challenging and it was just about staying in the fairway and if you got off of it good luck and i i, I think a lot of these players that you're you're saying that did didn't do so well just how disc golf is you know it's the first tournament not not they don't no one knows what they'll really expect and you know few few off shots and you're not looking at a great round um but yeah i i think this course played definitely tougher i mean look looking at the scores in three rounds negative 18 to win it i don't even know when the last time that was when we even saw that that low of a score to win a tournament mm. um yeah, and Josh, you can react because I was going to do a follow-up if you want to do this follow-up as part of it, which is like what players were non-existent that you normally see get media coverage, right? At almost every event. I feel like a lot of last year, Brody Smith got that um, because he did something one of the rounds or he finished like, like higher than maybe some expected. He would get that attention. You didn't hear one chirp about it at this event. You didn't even know Brody was there. I don't even think Brody did social media. It's very possible. Um, I'm just like, I didn't even know James Conrad was there until you looked down the list. You know, all these names, you're like, be anything like beyond 
I'm trying to think here. Uh, maybe 15th place. Like you don't usually hear anything about him. And that's a lot of good players. Did you even know Nico was there? Like besides looking at the player list, like Nico LaCastro. Um, yeah, he tied Simon Lazat, I'm pretty sure. Well, actually, he no, pretty good, he I beat think. Simon. Yeah. Yeah, he All beat right. Simon at the end. He got 21st. But this is my point. Besides like the post or no, the pre bone interview. Tied, they're tie. both tied 17th. Yeah, they did so tie. Oh, sorry. Sorry, thing. I'm looking at round two, I think. Yeah, they probably played three rounds. Yeah, I don't know this app well enough yet. Um, speaking of which, there is a PDGA Live app, people were asking. But, like, my point is, as you look down the list, it's just surprising. Chris Dickerson, he did have some uh, feature card coverage. Some of these players did, but, like, even Simon Lazat himself. Like, we didn't see or hear very much from any of these players because this course just changed, like, as you said, flipped the script. Uh, Isaac Robinson came out doing okay, but then like you don't hear about him. And like you might say, Matt, that's true at every single event. But I would say at most events, your cream of the crop is at the top. And I'm seeing a lot of cream all the way through this leaderboard down to the bottom. So yeah, I just e find that interesting. Yeah, either that or, and I'm not making a case for this. I'm just saying like think about what your assumptions are because maybe the if you're going to use the metaphor cream of the crop, maybe the cream's changing. Right, so you're you're referring to names down the leaderboard um, that possibly won't be at the top as often as they used to historically. I don't know if that's yeah. the case. That's kind of what you're reflecting, but I'm saying there are multiple ways to possibly Absolutely. interpret what you're seeing. Um, at the same time, we did see. Uh, can I just say because the PGA app, we saw Richard Wysocki. I I got a kick yeah. out of that. Um, but Ricky num number two. So there's a familiar name. Um, but then AB, we've, we know his name well, but his first win, Gannon Burr sneaking up and forth. So Kyle Klein, Isaac Robinson, Matty O. So like Matt, at the same time, we also see a lot of familiar names. And I think what's happening is the field depth continues to grow. So yes. the level of players that we would classify as players who could win, all the names you were rattling off all the way down into the 50th and 70th and 80th place. That pool of players used to be so much smaller. So when you looked at the leaderboard, you recognized the names at the top and down below it, we didn't care. There are so many highly competitive players now that that pool is like 30 or 40. And so it's not surprising to have 30 or 40 players distributed across a leaderboard down to the 80th place. Um, I think that's what's happening. And it's just evidence of the growth of the field. And there, every individual player has some particular narrative as well, right? Like why is Paul McBeth finishing in 52nd? Is it recovering from the shoulder injury, lack of off-season prep because of the injury, um, or is it not, right? Is 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 there another evolution? Um, you know, Heinberg, 34th place. Like, what's that about, right, after averaging fourth place last year? So, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of explanations. It's the first event of the season. As I said at the beginning when I kicked us off, it, there's always a question of like, will the trends from last year continue or is there going to be new narratives? And I answered the question rhetorically, which is, of course, there are going to be new narratives. And that's what we're excited. This is literally the first glimpse of like, all right, we just saw a bunch of players scattered across the leaderboard. We see a new winner like AB. We see a familiar name like Ricky right behind him. What's going to happen? And that's, again, why it's exciting. And of course, yes, we should speculate on it because it's fun. And that's partly what we're here to do. Right. And I will say, Josh, you and I have been doing talk disc golf for a few years now together. And we have had storylines for years saying the new top 10 is now the top 20. Like if you're in the top 20, that's what the top 10 used to be. 
it's very possible to your point or not very possible. It's, it's likely that this is already happening. And will we see this year? Hey, top 30, top 40 is the old top 20, top 10. Right. So like to your point, that's, that's fantastic insight there. Um, all right. Well, continuing on here, this is a little bit different. This is now off the field as far as, oh, and before we move off the field, this course is very specific to its type. People refer to it as D-Glow or um, D-Glow. And what else was the other one? Did you see the comparison? It was D-Glow and a mix of another course. And I don't remember what it is right now. But, oh, it's going to kill me. The chat's probably saying what it is. But but my point is that we're going to be going into all different courses. And we're going to see the players who are better at the open golf courses um, and not as good at these types of courses. And so we have to take this with a grain of salt as well, that we're going to see this swing of types of players. Now, some of them are good and consistent at both. And that's why those are the ones we should expect to see at the top all year. Um, but yeah, moving off of the course and competition, I asked Evan about Magnus Carlson, chess.com. There was this feeling amongst the players down there and DGN Live that a celebrity was on the premises, right? One, do you think Carl, this is speculation. Do you think he cares about disc golf? Do you think he was there on obligation because of chess.com? Probably. Um, and do you think that his appearance here actually has an impact on disc golf? Or do you think it's just, it's a bunch of fun? Like any, any takeaways from that? Oh, it's such like nuanced, like considerations here, because first of all, some people listening to this show have no clue who you just mentioned. Okay, so like that's one angle. Magnus Carlsen, who's that? Sounds like a Norwegian disc golfer name. That's because he's from Norway. So he's probably familiar with disc golf. I think I heard, I have no idea if this is true, that he may have some kind of cousin or family relationship who plays disc golf. So probably some familiarity with it. For everybody who doesn't know, he's probably one of the best chess players ever. And whether you scoff at chess or not, it's obviously literally a millennia old board game that's world famous. Hopefully to be don't clear, need to explain not chess. one of the best. He he is he's, a multi-world yeah. champion and he's the highest ranked player ever. ever. Yeah. Yes. So I would say most people would agree he's he's the best. Um, but anyway, so but back to Matt, your point is so in the world, yes, Magnus Carlsen is a world-class celebrity. Um, and why was he there? Well, that's impossible for us to answer because I'm sure there's multiple reasons. He probably doesn't show up if chess.com doesn't invite him. At the same time, that doesn't mean that he can't enjoy being there. I did not know until Evan told us that he was following one of the cards of golf, the lead card FPO. I'm not sure if that's done purely by obligation. I don't know if anybody's forcing him to walk around on the course to watch, right? We saw him in pictures with players and holding a disc. So I think there's probably some genuine, like, this is fun. I mean, like, can you imagine being brought places and kind of being a celebrity and seeing something that seems enjoyable, Florida weather? So I bet you it's all positive from that standpoint. Whether it actually helps disc golf or not, I'm not sure Magnus being there helps disc golf, but I think the continual growth of well-known and well-established brands and activities um, as they continue to invest in the sport of disc golf, I think that has a general lift. And so I think the chess.com partnership is net, you know, positive for disc golf. Um, Magnus being there isn't going to be the splash because the pictures of Magnus with disc golfers probably does not make it out of the disc golfer ecosystem. Um, at the end of the day, still not big enough. There's nobody else out there saying, oh, wow, 
the chess player I follow got a picture of somebody playing disc golf. I don't think that wins them over yet. This is all subjective opinion on my part. I wasn't there. I don't know the vibe. Um, it's intriguing. I've enjoyed chess off and on for a long time. And the truth is this sponsorship has drawn me back in. And so like I was semi starstruck by thinking, ah, oh, Magnus Carlson's there. Like Nick's hanging out with them. That's awesome. But, but that doesn't cause me to invest in disc golf any more or less. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I don't think it makes it out of the ecosystem of disc golf, but like every now and then, and it doesn't have an impact or not. It's just starting to get, it's the word ubiquitous disc golf is showing up a lot of places now. And I think I even saw like, was it Danica Patrick, uh, NASCAR event. Did you see that little video oh, going yeah, around? She was putting, but my point is like, that's at a NASCAR event and she's, I'm pretty sure it was NASCAR, but she's there at the event and like there's a basket and someone said, try to putt or something. So like, it doesn't really make it out of the disc golf world, but it's starting that the disc golf world is starting to like permeate a lot of our lives. And if I go back five years ago, if I brought up disc golf to anybody in the world, it was very, you probably haven't heard of this or maybe you have, or, you know, that whole conversation. So like, I think the takeaway here is that Magnus Carlson being at this event is not like changing the sport and it's not going to make it necessarily out of the ecosystem, but it just continues to increase the amount of where disc golf shows up. And maybe he got a hat at this event or something, right? And he wears a hat. I don't know if they wear hats during chess tournaments, <laughs> but like he a shirt, something, right? That's like just a brand of disc golf. Like it would start to just do that, permeate and make it show up more places, which in the long run, some people disagree. Yeah. They want the sport to not grow. But like in the long run, it benefits the whole sport. So, so yeah, it's in, Ben, maybe you've got something to say. From my standpoint, to be clear, I think it is a big deal. I just can't overemphasize the fact that like, hey, this is another like, you know, moment where we say we've made it. I don't think that's right. true, but I think it's incredible. I mean, the truth is like you have a world, a world known, world class name showing up at a disc golf event. That's pretty cool. Right. Um, ben, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I thought, I personally thought it was very cool. Um, I mean, just the fact that man's a prodigy, a genius, you know, he was like a young little kid. Like, I don't, I watched a video where he's like maybe like 10, 11, 12 being like a grandmaster or something like that. Yeah. Just being around that alone is just like incredible. And I, th I personally think this what did a lot more for the sport of chess than than disc golf which is what obviously chess.com wanted you, they wouldn't have uh sponsored the event if no one was going to care because like Josh was saying I'm I'm sure Josh you're not the only person that has fell in love with chess again looked up chess.com a disc golfer fan sees Magnus Carlsen like, oh, this is so cool. I got to check out chess. Magnus Carlsen is at our disc golf. This is awesome. So I think I think it was a good symbiotic relationship, and I hope chess.com will come back and keep sponsoring this event because I think they got a lot more uh, market share mm -hmm. and interest from disc golfers being like, wow, this is so cool. Magnus Carlsen's there. And I'm starting to play chess now. Me not not me personally. I got checkmated by my six year old nephew the other day. But uh, yeah, that's my take. Hey, yeah, maybe he'll be the next Magnus. Those young kids are really smart he could. at chess. He's pretty smart because chess is all about recognizing patterns and seeing familiarity. You don't have to necessarily be a high IQ. So let's bring it.
Spider I don't know what chess competition. <laughs> I don't know exactly what they call it, but I browse through Magnus's social media. He follows 25 people and he has like one and a half million people following him or, or more. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but, but he was, I was checking out some of it and he'd post like when he was at a chess event or something. And he's like, he plays against like 25 people on stage and it's him versus oh, 25 yeah. individual games legitimate. And he just walks constantly walking and playing and he beats everybody. So it, there's something special about him. Yeah, it was cool to mind. have him there. Yeah. It was cool to have him there. It does look celebrity as to those who know. And I think it was, it was fun and exciting for that event. Yeah. It'd be neat if more events could bring in celebrities. That'd be pretty cool. I'll kind of go, go back on that. I mean, not to, not to bring up Nick Carl's cousin, but I'm bringing him up. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, like my, I've, to him and my family, I'm like, like, oh my goodness. Like, dude, like I was like, James, Nick's hanging out with Magnus Carlson. Like he has a picture with him. I, I think they went golfing or something. And yeah. I, I'm like, and he's like, who? <laughs> so I guess it's just and same with my family member they're like Magnus Carlson so I guess it's just if you know him you realize like he's the goat yeah. of well that's of why I said Ben earlier yeah. I'm like when Matt mentioned the name I'm like I have to tell some of our listeners wait this is who this is yeah not he's, everybody he's well, the dude he's, but that's true he's of the everything it's the Tom the Brady of the Tom Brady of NFL so yeah. if someone yeah, goes there are people who don't Carlson. know who Tom Brady is there are people who don't know who Taylor Swift is. So he no. So he was yes, the highest. Yes, it's true. I ran into someone the other day in a conversation. That's crazy. So anyway, he was. He's the highest. I don't know about how he's ranked now, but he was or is the highest rated chess player ever. So he he has the highest chess yeah. rating or, or or reached it. Same kind and of like unlike, disc golf ratings. But unlike disc golf ratings, this is like this is where disc golf got a lot of its ideas for yeah. ratings is from chess because chess actually it works. But okay, that's a whole nother story. Whole nother um, conversation. Josh, Josh, you have similar feelings to me on some of these things, but you probably are ready to to talk more about it. Oh. I've been seeing a lot, and it's getting it's getting old. It's always going to happen, and so I can't let it bother me. But it is getting ridiculous to where anything that happens is massive drama the end of the world disc golf sucks the pdga sucks disc golf pro tour sucks i'm paying money every my money sucks <laughs> like everybody's like always constantly and the pdga had this blackout with one of their servers for yeah. the live scoring the event management everyone quickly goes bring back you disc and i go that doesn't and my, my understanding does anybody understanding, remember you disc glitch during usdgc yeah. Anyway, yeah. right. so but but anyways, so I'm kind of setting the stage here, Josh. Do you have similar feelings to me or is this something that you don't care about? I, I don't know if they're all exactly similar, but I am going to vent. And, <laughs> okay, you know, I ahead. will probably make some friends and I'll probably make some enemies. <laughs> but if nothing else, I've kind of pretty much promised to always be authentic on here. So, yes, I call this a, a letter or a plea to all those Maybe some of you listening, this probably won't even make it to many of those. This isn't most of our show fans, I don't believe. So pass this along to your friends who are this way. To those who eagerly are awaiting, kind of like you said, Matt, they're eagerly awaiting the slightest hiccup, the tiniest slip up, just so they can pounce on social media like a pack of hyenas hunting their prey, relishing in the torment of their victim while secretly wishing for their downfall. So listen, this is to you. I implore you, stop that behavior. 
Spare yourself the embarrassment if you're even capable of feeling it. Just stop. Look, this reminds me of a quote from a psychologist back in the 70s that rings true here. Listen carefully. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. That's the whole point here. Your choice of words and where you choose to express your opinions hold weight. They affect not only the point you're trying to make itself, but also the it impacts the broader sport. Look, I'm not sure if you're trying to read the room and you think you'll fit in better if you just spout how bad the coverage is and how you wouldn't pay a cent for it while simultaneously watching round one free coverage. Or maybe you're just trying to look like the tough guy or the tough girl, or maybe you just need to be heard. Or could it be you don't actually even have that opinion, but instead you gladly wear the troll badge? Look, here's the thing. In reality, most of the vocal complainers are actually in the minority opinion. Let's think reasonably about this and compare. It's not like the NFL had an entire power outage during the Super Bowl or one of the top cell phone providers in the world just had a major network outage last week. Or how about your personal computer and the fact that you have to reboot it for it to work smoothly every single day? Look, don't misconstrue my words here. Criticism is valid. Strong opinions are welcome. I have my own gripes too. Look, I wish some of the technology changes that the Pro Tour and DGN went through would have been done earlier, so all the glitches could have already been ironed out, and I wish the app still ran on all the same devices the old app ran on. I wish the throw-by-throw toggle on the PDJ Live app was on the top of the page and not the bottom. I wish I could still select my favorite players so it's easier to see their scores without scrolling. And guess what? I sometimes wish the commentators would say some things slightly differently than they do. So, my plea to you, speak your mind, but consider if it's truly necessary. What value does your contribution bring to the conversation? And don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good debate, but emphasis on good debate. Let's think critically about what we're seeing, what we don't like and what we do like, and but let's also think critically about how we say what we need to say. Look, I'm really excited. We've talked about the future of the sport and in many ways we're here and I'm excited about what we're seeing. I want to continue to be excited where I see the sport continuing to go. That requires meaningful conversation. I do care about everybody's opinions, but please express, express them in a way that add value. Let's go do this together. Again, week one of the season, I'm excited to see where we go from here. So Matt, there's a little bit of my venting, Ben, a little bit of my rant, but it's how I feel and just wanted to express it since I've got this outlet. Ben, I'm not going to yeah. throw you under the bus, but I want you to elaborate a little bit yourself. You tend to be a very positive thinker. Uh, I sometimes am kind of borderline like, uh, but like at the, in the long run, we, we usually sit around and we think of like the positive way to look at things because we each have been a part of pretty significant big projects, whether it comes to disc golf or other things in our life, right? And so we know what goes on to pull off what's being pulled off. Mm -hmm. So like when you see complaints, Nick, I mean, Nick, when you see complaints, Ben, like what is your reaction to it? Do you just be like, dude, like they don't get it or are you just like, this is just always how it will be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess when I see, I don't, I don't really even think about it too much. Like you said, I'm normally like a positive person. So I don't, if I see a complaint, 
about something, I don't think like like oh that guy sucks. I'm just like right, okay, um, but um, yeah, I guess what if if I see a complaint about me, like say it's just negative, just about me on here, let's say, you know, it, it's tough sometimes, but I have to realize, you know, like I myself, it, we all have like our own personal issues and really hate is just a projection of insecurity you want to comment this stuff to you know make yourself either feel better or get in agreement with a whole group because like you know it makes you feel more included and that's a lot of where this stuff derives from this negativity it's like it's just people want to be heard and and if people want to be agreed with and you know, be liked, and sometimes the easiest way is to talk about a person badly and find the common ground that just happened, like the PDGA app going down. I thought my phone was down, so I didn't really have a problem. I was like, oh, my phone just has bad data. <laughs> um, but that's what happens where it's like, oh, like, you know, I can tweet this, and, you know, it's, it's I want to make my voice heard. I want to make – and realistically, that's what well, we're on this podcast to do not negatively but that i feel like everyone has this inherent of they want to be heard and seen and felt and sometimes people use that in a negative way of where it's 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 hate but deep down i know the reason they're commenting that is because they want to feel seen and, and be part of a community mm. um to, because you know or they're just insecure or and just want people um to I guess like them, but I think it's, I guess that goes hand in hand, just being part of the community where like, it's fun to like, like, I'm sure everyone here has gossiped about someone and you get like some people, sometimes you get like heat, like excited, like, oh, I love talking about, like, this is awesome. But you would never say that to the person's face. Cause you know, it's, and you know, it's bad. It's just when you're in the moment talking about it with another person, it's like exciting. And it's like, oh, I can relate to this person. Awesome. So yeah. That's my take on it that, you know, hate, 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 haters going to hate like they always say, but I think the way the internet is drawn today, like in all that, it's just like in these anonymous people, especially like on Reddit, it's just like how it's going to be. People just want to nitpick the thing that they realistically really don't care about in their lives, but they're going to nitpick it and uh, talk about it because they're always looking for the negative thing because like I said they want to they want to feel seen and they want to come together on something and and that's perfectly fine you know criticism is great and stuff like that but I agree with Josh if you're like instantly going to the to the worst case scenario every time then you know chin up and 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 be happy <laughs> you know but I will say kind of the, to go off that topic I will say even though the PGA thing went Live. I'll just talk about some things that I loved. I I honestly love UDisc. Like I'm a UDisc fan. I think what they're doing was great. I personally uh, just like keeping score with UDisc. Um, but I think after watching the scoreboard on PDGA Live um, this weekend, I liked it one million times better than UDisc, and I'll tell you why. One. You can go. You can click on one player. The only thing, yeah, the favorites. They they'll implement that. That I didn't like that. But you click on one player and you can click round one, round two, round three on their profile. Like it's very very easy. Like let's see. Let's go to Evelina Salonen. One Ooh, demo. Two, three. You get to see what it's rated, and it, it's so easy. And then 
And then with UDisk, you had to go up top and change and then find the person again. So it's just way more, um, I guess, efficient, which I really like that. I could just click on their profile, see what they're rated, see what they shot round one instantly. And I think the ratings system is really cool that we get to see it like right away of how well they actually did stack up. So I personally am a big fan just of that alone, just being able to not having to go to a different round to see what they shot. I could just see it right on their profile super quick. And I think the PDGA is going to listen to the fans and they're going to guarantee they're going to implement favorites. Guarantee it. Um, It's just giving them time. Not everything is going to be final product polished right off the bat. I mean, sometimes you just have to put it out there to see what goes wrong. I mean, (laughs) that's how life is. All right, so that was fantastic. We're we'll, Ben, you're always welcome to to give your take. You just got to cut us off sometimes. But <laughs> I know that was probably my longer segment. I was. Ever on it the was show. awesome. You could see a <laughs> picture of me a live here. demo and everything. It was. Really I kicked great. my legs back here, and I was like, "This is wonderful." Like, yeah. okay. But speaking of, this is a great segue transition. Apps, things that might go wrong. You got to send things out to figure out what might go wrong to get better. Pop, drop, lock. And you brought up UDisc. UDisc had grip six, pick six. Mm-hmm. A game where you picked your players, you got points. I think you might have even won prizes. Um, For those who aren't familiar, you just joining right this minute. Ben, you got to go through the intro music again, but hit the prop, pop, drop, lock, go, and we'll just talk about it. So this segment... With pop, drop, lock. I'm going to explain it in short, but I actually want to do it due diligence here so that everybody can kind of understand and realize that you are going to be able to play along with this and get this win a prize if you take down everybody. Hooligan Discs is going to provide a prize. It could be like brand new maybe unreleased disc or just released like first run release discs it might be hats it might be anything hooligan product but you can win that if you take down everybody else that's playing so that's how it's going to start out now how do you do that if you have a device right now and you're watching on your tv or at your computer and you can open another web browser or whatever it might be literally you can go to popdroplock.com that is no spaces. It's literally popdroplock.com. Now, if you mistype it and you do pop, lock, drop, it will take you to the same place. We so, own both. Fun fact. Fun <laughs> fact. And you're going to show up there and it's going to say sign in or create a user account. Now, I don't have to walk you through every step, but you're going to create a new user account. As part of that, it will send you an email. This email will ask you to confirm that you like received this and it, it gives you a code, I believe. You put in the code. It's a, like a it's like a not two-factor authentication, but it makes sure that this is not a, a spam bot, right? If you create a username, it's going to assign you a nickname. I think my nickname is like Inquisitive Aardvark, you know, 4267 or something. I'm Blue right? Ant. It gives you a, okay. <laughs> you, you have the Blue Ant? Blue Ant, baby. Nice. So... It, just for the fun of it, go ahead and create a username, guys, uh, with this web app that we're making. 
and this is so basic right now. It is literally in the most basic form. So let me warn you. You're going to log in and go, where's the other windows? Where's the menu? Right now, it's in the most basic form that when you log in, all you will see is the option of picking an event in a dropdown and then picking players associated with that event that you think are going to perform like the game is that we play. Pop, drop, lock. For both MPO, you'll see these options and for FPO. Once you put them in and hit submit, it it does it like it submits it, but it keeps it up for you. Like you could change it all the way up till the event. You could change your player picks. Now I tell you all this that it's in the most basic version ever because like we have Shrek, our web guy, making this in his spare time for us. And we don't have a leaderboard yet, but the leaderboard will be out by the time you guys get ready to play. So go ahead and create your usernames now. We'll have leaderboards. We're going to be able to see who gets the most points. Like tonight, Ben, put up our points real quick. Just the point buttons will show. <laughs> you got to beat, like I got 21. Ben got 65. Josh got 59. Nick got like 18. And Evan got 11. Uh, like 11. 11, yeah. So have fun trying to beat us. We'd love you to come into the chat each week and say what scores you got after an event, just so you can like brag and have bragging rights but if you beat out everybody else who's playing this and we don't know if 10 people will play or a thousand people will play but if you beat out everybody we will contact you and we will uh, get you the prize for every for Is, every event for, uh mm -hmm. for elite every series single and event. Up. elite series and majors so pro tour yeah and and majors um, I think this is going to be serious fun, if not yes. only just amongst us, but it will be fun to include listeners that want to participate in this. And the best part about this game is not that I made it up. I'm, I'm impressed with myself on this one, and I'm not impressed often. I just like thought of this idea, like, how do we make it so we're not just trying to pick who's going to win or podium? Because those are the same handful of people every single event. So I said, let's make it so almost every single player that's registered could be a pick that gets you points. So you just decide, are they going to pop off this week or are they going to fall off this week or drop off? And then you pick your lock. Um, we mentioned it last week, but because we have some time here, let me just give you the points. Everything above an average performance is points. So if they average 10, you pick them and they get first place, they get 10 points. If you pick a drop, they usually average 10th and they drop down to 20 they get 10 points okay and then for lock lock pick that's where it gets a little bit different you're trying to pick the person who might win or at least place in the top 10 so if they win you get 25 points josh you did that this week with anthony brella nick that's, did too that's, to give that, him credit that's a lot of points 25 so he got 25 but if you get anything in the top five that's not first you'll get 10 points and then anything up till 10th place, you'll get like one point at 10, uh, two points at nine and so on. Um, but that's how this game works. It's actually incredibly simple. You could just pick anybody and maybe get lucky. Um, or you could be incredibly researched out and, and get better at this. There's yeah. a lot of features we'd like to add to this, including like players in the drop down. It will tell you what they're averaging. So you can kind of pick um, it at the end of the day. I mean, we'd love to have it. Uh, just a lot of features. This is literally in its most basic form ever, and it will continue to get better from here. Um, there's a few other rules, and then I'll let you guys react to this. The okay. other rules are, you cannot pick a player to win more than five times in this season. 
However, there is nothing in the app right now that will stop you from doing that. So if you play and you want to win a prize, we are going to check. We we will check previous like times that you've played the game to see how many times you've picked a player. So if you want to win the prize, don't pick a player more than five times. Um, and if a player drops out DNS, it doesn't go against you. Okay. Um, that's for the most part, that's it. Have your picks submitted by like 7 a.m. of tournament day, and it's going to get locked down. If you don't get it in by like 7 a.m. of tournament day, it does. it's not by tea time. It's going to be like tournament day, 7 a.m. So get your picks in before then. And we'll announce a lot of this next week, but I'm probably not going to do the full rundown like this next week. So uh, I, I'm going to be excited to play this. I'm already excited. Ben, you were going to say yeah, something. Yeah, I was going to say something. Like I was like how I was talking about community, um, but this is a huge way to have community and through through our through staggered stance. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun way. Obviously, you're probably not gonna do it every week unless you tune in a show. But it's just it's a simple thing. Just tune into when you're tuning into the show. Just make your picks, and then boom, you have a chance to win some awesome free hooligan disc merch. And I think it's going to be a really really fun time because one, I just love. The uh, username. So we're gonna shout out your username <laughs> if if you if you win every week. We'll see. So and we we want to see you compete with us. So I think it's gonna be a cool little thing. We can get the chat going, and it's like a it's a fantasy disc golf league sort of with the Sacristan show, but it's ours, our fantasy. So I think it's gonna be really exciting, and I'm very excited about it to play with. Y'all and I want I want it to be a little competition. I want I want to see some trash talk in the. Ben in came the, out swinging week one, like sixty five. <laughs> I know. Yes, sir. It down. Exactly. And Matt, I think for us on the show, right? This has been it's a week to week game. But uh, Ben, I know yes. nothing's going to stop us from keeping track of a season long running score, I, even if that's unofficial. We have to. Uh, yeah, we, you're out to a, all of a us hot should start, have. We'll awesome. have a trophy at the end of the year. Just want like uh, for for like how they do fantasy trophies. For us, yeah. I almost, for made, our I almost made a, a joke, but yeah, I totally yeah. agree. No, I that's totally what I, I think. So also, and we should keep stats of like this. So far, is the highest score on any event sixty-five. Can that be beaten? It's gonna. I think that's gonna be hard to be beaten. It really is. When Chandler Kramer fell off, that got you so many points. So, yeah, but I think drop. I think drop is a. I think drops where you really make make the money because it's way easier to drop than excel. So, <laughs> yeah, but you have to pick the player that's doing it. I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it's, it'll some, some and it's have based off, off of. But it's yeah, it, that's right. You got to pick who it is and when they like do your it. Your Calvin and pick like, was stellar. You just picked other not good ones to give you very negative. Hey, so we mentioned it a little bit in the segment, but Matt, just to tease it out a bit further, so everybody kind yeah. of follows again. Like, again, we don't have to like beat this too much, right? But so to this point, to be very clear, so like Ben picked Chandler Kramer, who you like Chandler, you're rooting for him. You felt like, however, last year he averaged 33rd place. And Ben says, I think he's not going to average higher than 33rd. So there's points for the taking. You picked Chandler Kramer and he finished in 75th place. Bad for Chandler. None of us feel good about that for Chandler. We all no. talked about being an open bag. We want to see him perform. It's nothing like that. But from a point in a game standpoint, Ben, that was the hottest pick of the whole week. You ended with 65 points. He gave you 42 of them. <laughs> so um, so there's an example, but just one more example, right? To kind of say, like, to cut it really close on the pop. Like, 
I picked Anthony Barella, who averaged 25th or 26th place last year, and he got first, so it gave me 25 points. So it's a very Man. simple game. Obviously, picking who makes it in the top 10 is much more simplistic and concrete. You just pick who you think is going to win the thing. Um, but yeah, it can be a lot of fun. Obviously, I gave you uh, FPO, I mean, MPO examples, but FPO, exact same rules. So it's interesting because it's a tighter field. Um, Right, and so the range of points may be less, but those are the margins where some of us might make up a difference in the end. Yeah, and I think it just it can be a, a lot of fun. And so. we're gonna have our names listed not as nicknames on the leaderboard as separate, so you can see and like brag about beating any one of us specifically. You won't have to find our nickname. You can say like, "Oh, look, Do I it. beat Ben, or I beat Josh, or I beat Evan the Stat Guy, or whatever it is." But like. We're going to be listed on the leaderboard separately so you can go through. And like I'm in there right now. If I look at Prodigy and I go to the event for Prodigy, which is um, Waco. Sorry, Waco. Yeah, I'm looking at how it was typed out. But if you go to Waco, like right now, the players that are in there are what are currently registered. So it might get updated as we get closer, but like that's currently what's registered. So. Again, you could go in there and make your picks now, but I wouldn't do it now. We're not doing it now. We're going to wait till each time the week yep. before the episode before the event. Hey, one more thing. And Matt, as you said, this is the bare bones. So everybody play along with us, right? You may even have some observations to share of things that do or don't work as well. Uh, after my rant about like apps and technology experiences, yeah. like I'm sure we'll have our, our bumps. We would acknowledge that. But I think right now there clearly are no 2024 meaningful averages. So for the first few events, we're looking at last year's total average finish as the benchmark. Right. But I think, Matt, is it week three or four probably where we, okay, week well, three. Well, three events. There will be okay. three events and then we will start. Right. Uh, so at some point we'll start, event. right. 2020, 2023 will be in the past. And we'll start using this year's rolling averages, right, as the benchmark for, you know, popping and dropping. So uh, we'll start to see current trends. And by the way, that'll probably make it harder, um, which is great. It'll make it more uh, fun. Well, to harder kind of and easier Harder to win ways. more points. Well, I well, don't know. I, no, well, but no, because if AB gets first place and then starts averaging fifth or tenth, right, arguably speaking, like... I can't rely on last year's benchmark to get me no, a lot of points. But here's but here's how it works this way though, Josh. Is like if Calvin comes out like he did in other years where he kind of isn't playing as good or last year he slumped off, but like if he starts out this year and he averages let's say through the first three events somehow some way like 21st place on the fourth week, I could either go he's not improved yet or I could be like this is the week where we know he can win it and there's a lot of points to be had. So like it, it's going to be interesting, but every week you're going to have to do that. Um, I think you bring up some interesting things that are going to have to change. Like right now too, like scores are not going to be populated live. So this is no PDGA live. This is not UDISC. Like the scores right now in its infancy are not going to be updated live on this app. It's simply you're going to submit it. And then probably Monday morning after the event, literally Monday morning, like it will update where you'll be able to see the leaderboard. So you'll have to check back in kind of a thing. But this is all in its infancy. Thank you so much to Dave Shrek for working with us to make this. It's going to be extremely cool, a way for you to play along with us so we're not just playing by ourselves. Yes. Um, we hope you guys enjoy it. And one last thing, Josh, you, when you went to sign up, you did something where like it sent you a confirmation email and you like double clicked something like, hey, send it to me again, send it to me again. I, I don't know what to say right now, except that like 
if it happens to you and you make a mistake, we don't have like IT to be like, oh, we'll send you like a nice little email that tells you how to fix this. It's literally you're on your own. If you want to reach out because it's really important to you, like send us a message and we'll do our best to like figure out some way, but we can't make any promises because we're literally, we don't have an IT department. Yeah. So, At the end of the day, it was actually really easy, but for everybody, okay. like instead of like me verifying my number, I accidentally clicked send me a new number. And because my email saw multiple verification codes coming in fast, I think it thought it was spam and it junked it. And okay. then eventually I went and found it. But like for the most part, Matt, to your point, this is like so simplistic. And I'm loving all the auto-assigned names with our backend <laughs> servers, right? Because the backend server is just assigning randomized names. And they're a lot of fun. Confident Mongoose and Adaptable Mantis and Captivating Lopping with Dependable Barracuda. You know, we're having a lot of fun. Yeah. So Where are you seeing that? Be- In the chat. Everyone's, everyone's signing oh. up. Oh. So yeah, it's free giving, and you get giving free Giving daughter good good crab four six eight two <laughs> careful flamingo. I love this. Raven. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Actually, could be really fun if you are on Instagram or social media. Make a quick little story that says like, "Hey, I'm playing this game. Here's my nickname," and we'll read we'll reshare it in our story. Ben, if we see that, let's share yeah. them. Um, also. Send us a message if if you have a fun, unique nickname. That'll be fun to see all these names. And then when we start playing, we'll shout you out and we'll play along. It'll be a, a whole bunch of fun. So yeah. all right. Well, somebody just got spectacular beaver nine one one one. So what? I'm blue wow. Blue ant. Are they making them up now? No. Well, that's the thing too. Like we could have fun <laughs> making them up and just spout them out. There. All right. All right. That was the longest segment ever talking about how we're going to do a segment in the future. <laughs> But for the inception of something that we're actually going to include everybody in, I think it deserved it. It might have been boring talk, but like if you want to play along, it would be hopefully extremely helpful to you. It's going to be really fun. Heard all of that. It's going to be a yeah. cool community, and maybe the person that wins over the year gets something really cool. So, well, uh, chat wise, not us. Uh, someone. From yeah, we'll chat. have to check out if we. I don't know if this first year we're going to do cumulative. Although I'm sure we could figure it out with a code of some sort. Okay, but like okay. generally put. But generally put, we could see who won the most times. And if somebody repeat wins, that would be impressive. All right. That's yeah, all we'll, we'll do. We'll do win the most times then. That, that's easy. It's got to be. It, that'll be impressive if people are pulling off multiple wins. So. Okay. Um. Oh, and there was one more rule. <laughs> you can't. I said you can't pick a player five times to win. Like more in one season. You, like once you hit five, like don't pick them anymore. But there's also you can't for pick lock, a player. For lock. Right. Oh yeah, for lock only. That's lock correct. Only. Yeah. I see. There's so many rules. Josh, we're gonna have to type up. Can you type up like type a little a rule, rule book? It's gonna be on. Uh, it needs to be in the website as like a question. It'll be right? in the web. It's like yeah, right, a, yeah. A FAQ. But <laughs> what I was gonna say is you can't pick a player who hasn't played at least three events, and the reason for that is because we don't have good information on them. So if they haven't played three events, then you can't pick them, but this is also kind of fun. You ready? Let's say here's a caveat. You can pick a player to win as your lock, no matter how many events they've played. Do you see why that matters? Because like you don't have stats for averages, but if you want to pick them to win, it doesn't matter at all. Like, yeah, pick them to win. That's fair. So there's a lot of little caveats right now. There's nothing that's stopping you from doing any of this, but if you do win, we're going to verify all that's in place. That's all we'll say. So, all right. 
Um, did we miss anything to talk about? I, I, I know the chat was given, given some ideas and whatnot, and um, we've probably talked about a lot of it, but anything that we missed? Um, I don't think so. Nope. Just, no, just glad the season's getting rolling. Obviously we, we get off to a fast start and then we have a small break before we come back to Waco. Um, but then after that, I think we've got a pretty good stretch. So, so with this game next week, so what's that date? The March 4th, I think March 4th, we will be playing this game live for our picks, like the draft, if you will. We are not going to make a 20-minute segment out of it. Our goal is actually to make this more of like, a, here's my picks coming into the show. Like, So we just, here they are, as opposed to doing it drawn out. So be ready. Yeah, it's going to be play cool, along. quicker. Yeah, play along. It should be really fun. Um, we're getting tagged in social media, Ben. We're going to have to check all that out. So Awesome. Uh, my phone's we'll, we'll like buzzing right in my after. lap. <laughs> yeah, this, this is going to be um, fun. And chat, like, again, just shout out hooligan this i mean for presenting and giving away the i didn't even, the 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 gifts i didn't know that was a, a thing so that's awesome that they're gonna wow. be providing gifts for the for the people that uh win every week so that's awesome i didn't know that i'm very excited about ben that. you helped set up this partnership with uh hooligan and you gave me a contact and i said i don't know what ben told you about me i said but i want more i said i want prizes and he's like totally down let's do it let's kill it and yeah. so it's awesome. it's awesome yeah totally cool so we're excited guys uh the first event is under everybody's belt if if you will and we are looking forward there is no event this week hence why we're not making picks right now yeah and we will be having hopefully a full show next week as in nick and evan and let me tease out hopefully i can't make any promises but we we were chatting with evelina after her win uh, it did not work out for tonight, as we can all understand. Um, but she seemed very optimistic and hopeful to join us this week coming. And I would imagine and hope that maybe we could line up maybe A, B as well. And I'm sure other podcasts are going to try as well. But like, yeah, we're still going to try to bring you a full show uh, this coming week. So look forward to that. Hey, so it sounds like we're winding down. So congrats to Paul McBeth, Dylan Cease, but more personally for us, Nick Carl. I mean, like... I've heard almost exclusively good things about people wanting to come back. The course was amazing. And talk about a like a heck of a way to be thrown into it with a soaking wet all-star weekend. Um, it sounds like the course is probably a bit raw because they're still kind of really breaking it in, even though it's existed for years, but at this level on the tour. Um, but I've heard amazing things. And we all know, like, you know, Nick's not here with us, not because he doesn't want to talk disc golf, but because he's probably been working hard and that hard grind is still going on. So um, it's kind of cool to have our show's connection with both Evan and, of course, Nick down there. Um, but just saying congrats to them, even though it's really congrats to AB and Evelina. But they worked hard and pulled off a great event, and here we go. Absolutely. It's so uh, incredible that somehow, some way, Nick finds himself into this situation over all the years of me introducing him to disc golf like 10 years ago. And next thing you know, he's like running the course down there for the chess.com invitational. Very cool. Oh, that's the chime. It says OBS. I don't know what that chime's about. OBS disconnected and then reconnected. Oh. Well, should, maybe we're done. Should be still good. Is YouTube saying we're still good? Yeah. Excellent. Condition. All right. 
<laughs> Excellent connection. Wonderful. Uh, we got an overload of nicknames coming and maybe that's what it is. Um, yeah, and who knows with that server, by the way, for pop drop lock. I think we tap out right now at like 2000 users. So let's see if we can get to that and let's see what happens. Um, but yeah, so it's really cool that Nick is doing that. Um, Evan literally two, three years ago was like, Matt, I've got an idea. I just want to run it by you. And I'm like, just come on our show and be a part of our show. And it's not our show that got him where he is, but like, it's a significant part of his journey in revealing stats to the world. I feel like, and now like, it's cool. Like he's doing what he's doing. Full paid gig uh, stats for disc golf. Like, Bet I could go on and on. We're all doing cool things. My point the is, Nicky Matt so shows cool. the launching point. Sagar Stance is the launching point for many yeah. careers in disc golf. The expo. <laughs> no, we won't take credit for that. But you know, eh, connections wise, it definitely helped me. People got no knew who I was, which made made it easier to be like, hey, I got this going on. So that's always <laughs> that's always a huge benefit. I already broke the ice. Um, so that that's pretty cool. People would ask me about you, and I'd be like, eh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's kind of shows okay. up late sometimes, eats all my jerky. <laughs> all good. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm wrapping it up. We've yeah. been talking for what, like an hour forty. Uh, hour forty, I think, with three three people. I think that's good. And know, I know I people no some interviews. Peop yeah. Some people will write. Some people will love the show. Some people will hate it because we don't have a guest on. But hey, we're still bringing you talk about disc golf right after the first event we will have a lot of interviews this year um oh yeah more to come we're gonna have a lot this was kind of a weird show in the sense of how it all unfolded but we rather bring you segment or you know an episode than not we hope you guys appreciate that uh shout out again to our our awesome supporter here on the show disc golf 978 i can't say enough good about them remember we love 978 and so if you use that code we love 978 you're going to get a percentage off of already rock bottom prices. They're going to get you what you want. Free shipping if it's over $25, which is almost every disc golf purchase. So free shipping ships out. You get it. You love it. Uh, we love it. Um, there you go. Uh, without further ado, Nick's not here to close it out like usual. Uh, I guess three weeks. You, unusual now he's not here. And then Evan's not here. But So I'll just close it out like this without that. Oh, with the outro music. Oh, you're about to say without the outro. Yeah, perfect. Uh, we appreciate each of you. Um, sign up at Pop Drop Lock. Share your nickname with us, and it will make us smile, and we'll come back next week ready to go and play with all of you. Until next week, everybody, we're going to sign out. Josh, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Nick, if you listen back, you're awesome. Evan, thanks. You're awesome. Peace out, everybody. See you, everyone. Wow. Later. Woo.